0: Digital. Student-centred. Creative. Innovation. Imagination.
1: Initiative. Stories that matter.
0: Hello and welcome to Tales of Teaching Online. My name is Joan Sutherland and I'm excited to be here today with Dr Jessamy Gleeson, who's the Senior Lecturer of Indigenous Knowledges at the naikiri Institute here at Deakin. So hi Jessamy, welcome to the Tales of Teaching Online. Can you tell
1: us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I can. So, I mean, you've already given my title, which is fine, but yeah, I'm Jess. I work at the Nikiri Institute. And for those of you who haven't heard of Nikiri before, we are the National Indigenous Knowledges Education Research Innovation Institute, which is a mouthful. So, that's why we go for Nikiri. We've been around for at least 30 years, over 30 years at Deakin in one form or another. So, we started at the, as the Kuri Teacher Education Program, KTEP, Then we morphed into Ike, which is the Institute of Koori Education, and now we are NIKERI. And um, that really just reflects that we're a national institute and that we really strive to have a national footprint that's inclusive of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and um, their associated education goals.
0: And what is NIKERI's role within Deakin University then?
1: So, we have two particular roles or two streams. One of those is for us as an institute to basically service our First Nations students. And we do that through a program called CBD delivery or community-based delivery. And that means that our students who are doing a range of different sort of undergraduate and postgraduate degrees are offered the opportunity to come into Nykiri two to three times a trimester and have intensive weeks where they learn a few weeks content all in one go, then they fly home and then they come back again in another few weeks and do the same thing. And it means that they really have that flexibility to access all of our different programs while still maintaining family work and community and cultural commitments as well. So that CBD program is one of the main things that we do. And the other one that we do is our offerings of Indigenous Studies units, our IND program. And that sits for mainstream students so anyone can take these units as an elective or for the Bachelor of Arts students they can undertake it as a minor offering at the moment too and there are a whole suite of units that um, centre different forms of Indigenous knowledges.
0: That's great to hear I suppose with the um, CBD units it's about designing being culturally inclusive within that
1: coursework how do you actually do that how do you design being culturally inclusive? it's quite contextual and quite dependent on exactly who our students are and what they need. So, whenever I'm asked this, you know, I think a lot of the times people are wanting to just have that five-step tick, you know, list of yeah. things you can do to be culturally inclusive, but it inquires a really deeper understanding of what it is that you're offering and what it is that your student needs actually are. The thing that, really important to remember about Indigenous knowledges is that they are so highly contextual and they're not siloed. So, if you are teaching something in health, as opposed to if you were teaching something in arts or something in commerce, Indigenous knowledges can, of course, be applied to each of these things, but just in different ways. So, you don't know what you don't know. And the first step is going out there and actually finding out what it is that is applicable and asking people like us or in other areas as well, what can be done to assist. There's a brilliant reading list that has been worked through at Deakin by our PVCI, our Pro Vice Chancellor of Indigenous Education. And um, that is what I always refer to Deakin internal staff to, is this list of incredible readings that have been written up for basically every single discipline that people can draw on and understand how and where Indigenous knowledges can be applied to their particular stream. But outside and beyond that, when we think about inclusivity in teaching, we need to consider how the that we have in place at the moment don't always work for our students. So our students come from all across the country. They may not always have internet access, but simultaneously they may have excellent internet access. So we need to work with the students to figure out things like how and where they can actually um, access course materials, how and where we have different forms of extensions or special considerations that allow students to attend things like sorry business or other forms of cultural business. How and where our processes for talking about First Nations people that have passed away if we're actually doing that in class? Or even more simply, do we have acknowledgements of country? Are we talking about that and framing that in a way that is sensitive and centred for all and isn't seen as just, yeah, that, that tick box exercise? So, inclusivity is a really big thing and requires quite a bit more thinking than just, you know, here are your five steps.
0: And I definitely hear what you're saying, and it's such a massive thing to unpack when you're talking about Mm. cultural inclusivity and not just for Indigenous peoples but for For all um, all different cultures uh, and different considerations. So it's nice to hear that it's not a five-step process. a number of things that actually are considered. I suppose leading on what you were saying around your reading list, um, that there's different strategies in there to embed uh, throughout different streams. Have you got an example of something that you've um, incorporated to make a unit or a coursework more inclusive?
1: Yeah, it's um I can actually give you an example that I use with staff. So I've um I've been really lucky to be working with the Cloud First team at Deacon here and they're a team that really help in um embedding different forms of online learning and really helping develop the unit sites. And we first started working with them oh, midway through 2020, which was quite a time to start working with anyone, I think. But we, um, when we sat down and talked about the first unit that we wanted to develop with them, which was a unit on stories and song lines, what I did was because that that team, those two or three people at the Cloud First team, they um, none of them were Indigenous, and so before we even started developing this unit, I gave them – assigned readings, if that is, you know, it's a very academic move to go away and give your colleagues assigned readings, but they they weren't just assigned foundational readings for this unit. They were were readings on how Indigenous knowledges are created and how and why when you form a unit that is linear in time, which goes from week one to week 11, it doesn't always clearly reflect how we understand stories and songlines, which are much more iterative and non-linear and having things that move back and forward between weeks. And so, I gave them these two or three readings that said, this is how we understand time and stories. And then when I'd come back to them, after reading that and said, all right, now this is how I want to structure the unit. It's not going to be week one, two, three. It's going to, even though that's how students move through the unit, we will have some knowledge that we start on in week two and then we loop back to in week six and then again in week nine. And then connected to that might be week eight and week five and whatever else. And it was a little bit of a brain explosion for them, I think, but it's been really positive because it's meant that we've stuck with that team throughout the next year and a half and I'm still working with them on other units now and it's we've been lucky to have them really embed and embrace that knowledge themselves. And they'll come up and suggest things now and say, I was thinking about how we could do this to help make this knowledge or this unit more inclusive and more reflective of what you're trying to get at. So that's that's not actually a student-based example, but it's it's similar in that to get everyone designing and um, designing and involved in the unit um, understanding it is really important for us.
0: Oh, very much so. And it Mm. sounds like it is very contextual depending upon the situation and um, the actual cohort and the actual stream that you're teaching. As you're saying, you're linking out to different units. I'm sure there would have been a bit of a head explosion there um, (laughs) or different weeks and then looping Mm. back. But it shows once you actually come back and you do look at that design from a higher level as well, that you can actually create those connections and show where things are actually happening and create um, a more inclusive uh, practice, Mm. I suppose. So, how does that how does this approach like um understanding narratives and understanding stories and different time points in time how does that improve participation and assist indigenous students
1: I think it's because if they come into our um, classroom space or our online space, a lot of them would have encountered and learned things that way in the first instance, and maybe maybe not all because um, again we would have maybe we've learned things in different ways. But for a lot of our First Nations students, when they come into an Indigenous Studies unit, one of our units, that's how they learn. How we how we teach and how they learn is the same. So it's actually mirrored. They're not having to. Um, think through content and then draw it back to them through other forms of stories or having to think, well, this is the Western way of teaching or the Western way of understanding this because we're we're giving them the stories or the connection to country or whatever else they need already. So, an example that um, I've used before is an education unit that we have. And um, in that unit, it's we have a few different people teaching it of different ages. Now, if you were a Indigenous student coming into that space, you would immediately recognise that one of our tutors is a senior woman. And so, she has a lot of knowledge there. And so, therefore, she would be the one that you would go to because she's one of our most um, senior people. But the Western students look to people who are slightly higher up, but also slightly younger as the person who's boss, the person who's in charge. And so, they might come to me instead of this senior woman because the the t- my title says that, you know, in the hi- Western hierarchy, I, you know, I am the next person up the chain. And then I have to say, well, actually I'm not. You need to turn right back around where you came from and talk to your tutor because she's the one with this really important cultural knowledge. And our First Nations students, they would probably know that from what I've seen, but our Western students don't. And so, it requires a real flip in their thinking. And In Venice, we also explain that more effectively to them now when they enter into these units. So, they're aware that they're learning things differently, that those spaces and the questions that they're asking need to be directed a certain way, and that the how of how they're learning is going to be different. So, they might do more yarning, more back and forth conversation. There's not so much of that traditional lecture style. It's a lot more um, interactive. So, that's been really interesting to see that.
0: Yeah, that I can. I can see how it would be interesting, and how your participation when you're you're used to learning a certain way as well, mm. and incorporating that into the online nature of things. Because as you said, you know it is very structural. I suppose it goes from one to t- ten, let's say one to twelve, and mm-hmm. hierarchy. There's a number of things from the Western side of things. So making it more applicable will be more engaging. I could see that. So if looking at um, that's a student experience, what about from a teaching and learning experience? What are the benefits, but what are the challenges um, in designing in this way?
1: The challenge, the main one that we've come up against is teaching in an online space, because Mm. our knowledge is so grounded in country and so much of it, you need to be on country or connected to country to learn it. So one of the units that we have is literally called caring for country. And the the deep irony or um that sits within that is that it's an online unit. So we do our absolute best to get students engaging with their where they are, where they are located and understanding the history of the country that they are on. The very first questions that we ask them in that unit is where are you? where are you located, what country are you on and um, to go from there. So it's, it's very difficult in a lot of different ways because there's some knowledges and some stories and some information that you can't obtain anyone unless you're actually on country. So if right. we want to teach a song line, if we want to teach information about a country, sometimes you can't just film and record that and upload it, you need to physically mm-hmm. be there. So that's mm-hmm. that's been hard. Mm-hmm. And instead what we do is simply explain to students the limitations of our knowledge and explain why they can't have a lot of the information that they might be expecting and how we work around and through that. And it's also deeply ironic that you're sitting within a university space with the students having an expectation of being able to obtain all knowledge and then you turn around and say to them, well, you can't actually have this and you can't have that and that's pretty sensitive information so you're never going to get that and for this you'd have to be on country and whatever else and to see them wrapping their heads around the complexity of all of that is interesting.
0: Wow, that is. What about yeah. benefits on the side, on the flip side of that, of designing these culturally inclusive units?
1: Students become a lot more aware of how and why they may not have known things before, and I think they also become a lot more aware of why they don't know or haven't had things shared to them before. So the the engaged ones, the good ones, and for the most part, if they are enrolled in an Indigenous Studies unit, they're there because they want to learn more. They're fairly respectful of that. So they will understand why and how information can be shared and why and how it can't so that's that's always a real positive is to get students understanding that a little more clearly because i would hope that's reflected beyond our units and we never set our units up as just being a, a one and done or you know come and do 11 weeks and you're fine even after the entire four units that they do in the minor there's still it's still very much a foundational layer and to get them deeply thinking about those knowledges and reflecting on how it impacts other aspects of their lives, that's a real reward for us.
0: That would be, and I suppose it's not that exactly going back to what you said originally, it's not that five-step process that you do this and then that's done, do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it is an ongoing thing. You mentioned around they learn around the why and the how they learn and um, different things that may aid them in, I suppose, knowledge retention and applying different key concepts. Is there a do you embed self reflection? Is that something um, that's part of it? So then they look at where they've started and then where they've ended up and how they've actually gotten there?
1: Is yeah. that a key component or? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, again, I'm speaking from the IND yeah. student perspective um, as yeah. opposed to the CBD student one, but for yeah. our students in our IND units, we actually, yeah. that's sort of the, um, if you want to call it a capstone assessment approach mm-hmm. for each of our units. So there is a reflective task embedded as the final task in each of the units in our IND minus stream. And that means that for each of the four students, the four units that the students do, assessment task three in each one is a reflective component. And then in that fourth unit, they actually round up all of those previous reflective assessment tasks and do one final bigger one where they're required to really draw on all the other previous things they've written and sort of trace their journey across those units to really clearly map out where they've come from, what they've learned along the way and where they think they are now, which is reflective of what I would call a virtual sort of learning song line, so a real map of where they've been and how they've grown and changed across that time. But we find that reflection is the best way to get students to do that. It has to be a critical reflection. It can't just be a, you know, this unit was good and I learned stuff. It needs to be a lot deeper than that. And it has to really clearly identify some key aspects. But um, yeah, reflection is absolutely vital.
0: I imagine that would be something that would be taken away anyway because critical reflection is something that we want to do in our everyday practice regardless, you know, (laughs) seeing that come to fruition and as a student, Mm. even as a teacher, you know, that would be really beneficial. Mm. So there's a lot going on. Um, and you've mentioned a number of different initiatives that you guys have done and um, how you're designing for cultural inclusivity. What are you guys what are you what is the Nike Institute going to do um, with teaching teams or to iterate what you've done so far in the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a good one because it's it's interesting to see how and where we help share our knowledge and our expertise and how we balance this against the both the demands of GLOA, which is really useful to have, you know, colleagues knocking on our door and also sharing that load. And a lot of that work is really well, you know, being done really well by the PVCI office. So it's not as much us, but sharing our expertise and also sharing out to the wider university having these exact conversations with our colleagues both in Deakin more broadly about how and where they can be aware of their units and where they are both inclusive and culturally safe. So to get other unit chairs and other academic heads of departments thinking about where they can actually apply Indigenous knowledges, that's a continuing sort of theme for us is to make sure that we continue having these conversations and get people thinking about their students. Because not all of our First Nations students at Deakin are Nikiri students. Some of them are in the mainstream cohort, of course. And you don't know, of course, until some student sticks their hands up and says, well, actually, that's not great. We would rather you think about that before you actually have that happen. So that's that's one of them. And then, of course, it's getting our graduates through. So our CBD students, getting them through for us is a real goal because COVID has hit really hard. And so to get them back in our building doing intensives and then graduating and continuing on in their career is really important for us, whether yes. that's as researchers, as academics, as teachers or nurses or something else, to be able to have more of our First Nation students going out into the world and spreading that knowledge is really key.
0: So you've still got a lot of work to do on here. Yeah, we have too, a lot of work to do. Yeah, conversations, and <laughs> as I've mentioned to you before, that you know people are asking myself as well. So it shows the work that you're doing. There is a groundswell that's actually happening as well, which is mm-hmm. nice to hear. That it's not just for students that are in the NIKERI cohort, but looking at teaching teams and how people can design for cultural inclusivity across the board versus just for a small cohort or a specific yep. cohort. And I suppose you mentioned the reading list before, which I've got to get my hands on as well. (laughs) What can other teaching teams take away um, from the work that you've done or what would you suggest in addition to the reading list to the next step? Like someone's um, engaged, they want to be able to design inclusive um, units. Where, Where to next? For
1: starters, I would... Point to our foundational unit IND 101. And I know that this this sounds like a plug and it may be a bit of a blatant plug, but that unit is designed for all students coming into Deakin to get their head around the very basics of Indigenous studies. It is called Introduction to Aboriginal Studies and it is designed for any student at a level one unit. That unit is there for everyone to use as an elective and it can be embedded for all. So, that would be what I would strongly consider people doing rather than necessarily always working alongside us to have these very um, catered sort of individualized units for you, which is great and we have done them before. Give us the students and we will teach them for you because Mm -hmm. there is no other better way to teach students about Indigenous studies, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander studies, rather than coming from us. It is much more effective for us in this very time-pressed environment than giving any number of guest lectures, than advising on any number of students. So send them to us, give give them to us, and we'll do 101 with them. And we can build from there. But it's that real gesture back to point to us that's really useful. Outside of that, of course, please feel free to come and knock on our door and talk yes. to us at any other time about this stuff or the PVC, PVCI office. But sending the students to us, I think, is always a really good first step
0: danger that's fabulous Mm. well um it's been really lovely to speak to you today and hear everything that's going on and actually share this with a wider audience so Mm. people know um what you're doing in naikiri and at deakin university because i've heard a lot about it and which is fabulous to hear and actually talk directly to you is there anything else that you would
1: like to share um, to the audience or with us at all I think just the general sense here, when I talk about all of this, when I talk about these really good intentions that everyone has in wanting to be inclusive and in wanting to draw in our our knowledges and um, share their learnings with us, what I'm basing and what a lot of us base this on is something called reciprocity, which is you know we all know the definition of reciprocity, but in our space a lot of the time, traditionally speaking, and I'm not just talking recently, but for decades and hundreds of years, our knowledge has uh, been taken away from us and dispersed without our knowledge or care. So, when I talk about all of this and when I say, you know, centering Indigenous voices or sending students our way, these kinds of things, it comes from that perspective of reciprocity because we are really here to service our students and deacon students, but we need everyone else and we want, and what we've seen actually really positively has been this, is that reciprocity. So, coming into this space, not halfway through a research project or halfway through designing a course or whatever else, but really bringing us in at that ground floor and working alongside us the whole way through. Yeah. That's a
0: really great point um, that you make and a great one to finish on, but I would really like to thank you for your time today. It's been um, very insightful and uh, I hope that the listeners as well get as much from it that I have today. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you.